1: the podcast critics have spoken
0: has this guy ever
2: actually interviewed anyone before and wow that was long and i don't have time to listen very busy sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon
0: uh he did win an award in 2011
2: stop living in the past what else with Corey mann wherever podcasts are sold isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network.
0: From South Bend, Indiana, you know what that's at. Eh? I don't. It's Sports Yak with Corey Mann and Chuck Freeby. I'm the both announcer, Jim Shorts. Sports Yak!
2: I got a text from a maniac over the weekend. Now, a maniac, in our language, is a fan of the Sports Yak podcast. He simply sent me this.
1: Because it is episode 72, and I've debated long and hard about this, Corey, but I think this might be the first time that we ever have to dedicate the episode to people. Oh, wow. The maniac showing you the jersey of one William the Refrigerator Perry. Terrific defensive lineman and occasional running back for the Chicago Bears. But another great 72, Carlton Fisk, when he was with the White Sox. Oh, yeah. He came up wearing 27 with the Boston Red Sox. And then when he went to the White Sox, flipped it around and wore number 72 and hit one of the great homers of Chicago, not Chicago lore, but South Bend lore. Doing a rehab assignment at Kowaleski Stadium, mm-hmm. he hit a long home run over the wall in left and off the old synagogue, which is now the team's store. Oh
2: yeah, okay.
1: Out in left field,
2: Carlton Fisk has that name been used in a movie? Well, or it, a movie reference?
1: I can picture it being used in that um, Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore one Fever Pitch, yes, which was about the Red Sox. And of course, Fisk hit one of the great home runs in World Series history, 1975, Game Six, down the left field line. If it stays fair, home run. The Red Sox win and force a climactic Game Seven, which was won by the Cincinnati Reds in 1975.
2: Where do you fall on Fever Pitch? By the way,
1: love that movie.
2: Loved it. The yes. word love. Love that movie. Okay. William Refrigerator Perry. He's one of the first players I remember of having quite a life in the social spotlight. Commercials, pitch man, and, of course, the Bears were at a fevered pitch that particular year when he was playing.
1: The rise and fall, though. I I guess he lives down in in South Carolina now, and uh, obviously his weight caused him a variety of health problems, and I I don't think he's got a whole lot of money uh, set aside. But, yeah, the fridge, I remember, I can't remember the brand of refrigerator that he was asked to be the pitch man for, Mm -hmm. but I remember his line from the ad was, you open the door, the light comes on. (laughs) I remember
2: that. He needs to find himself an agent that'll stick him in 10 or 15 big sports cons, conventions, give him a table, let him sit there, let him autograph, tell stories. I think he probably
1: still does that.
2: I love that on his Wikipedia page there's a music section. Of course there is.
1: Well, because he was part of the Super Bowl shuffle.
2: That's right.
1: And, And there was a lot of hubbub when the Bears won the Super Bowl that the Fridge got to score a touchdown as a running back, but Walter Payton did not, be that as it may, uh, his touchdown that he scored against the Packers on Monday Night Football, which was basically, you have to remember at the time, Mike Ditka's coaching the Bears, and Forrest Gregg is coaching the Packers. Mm -hmm. And Ditka and Gregg were bitter rivals back when they were players. And that was Mike Ditka basically just sticking it to Forrest Gregg, saying, I'm putting Perry in the backfield and I'm having my defensive lineman score against me. And now, quite frankly, it's not that uncommon a practice. You'll see defensive linemen lining up in the backfield in goal line situations because mm-hmm. it gives you, if you don't give the ball to them, it gives you an extra blocker that has so, quite a bit of bulk yeah. to them. okay was quite the weekend of high school basketball. I spent some time over in Michigan City this weekend. How was that? I'll tell you, the morning session honestly was disappointing. Uh, you Penn fans out there, and I don't know how many maniacs are Penn fans, but you should be somewhat embarrassed about the lack of support given to your team at the Michigan City Regional. It's only a one-hour drive right. from beautiful downtown Granger. Y'all can get there pretty simply and pretty easily. And there was plenty of advance notice, and Penn was the favorite in this. So, you know, buy yourself a full session ticket and get on over. And in the morning session, there were only eight Penn students yeah, there.
2: Then go over to the Lighthouse Mall, fart around all day, and then come back when they win and uh now have a apparently great time. more
1: Penn students turned out for the night game against Northridge, which mm-hmm. was an absolute classic. So Penn holds off Chesterton in the opener 4942.
2: And by the way, I watched on Facebook Live and you and I texted about this. There's a compression microphone something audio in Facebook that did not represent the Chesterton crowd like the TV broadcast did mm-hmm. where it was like I think you even mentioned it talking about them uh, they were doing
1: a bouncy house. It was loud. I mean, that's they how were. I want it yep. to be. Yeah. They were they mm-hmm. held up their end of the bargain. So, and Chesterton was in that game until the final two minutes. So, 49-42, Penn comes away with the morning victory. Then Northridge handles Munster easily. Alex Stauffer, 28 points, 12 rebounds. The Raiders advance to the regional final. Now, back in December, when Penn played Northridge the first time, Mm -hmm. they beat them by 28. But Northridge had to be the most improved team of the season from mid season on. They were six and eight at one point. They ended up the year, I believe, nineteen and nine. Scott Radiker, kudos to him, his staff, and his players for buying in and, and even when it was six and eight, not saying, oh, we're just a mediocre bunch. And they turned themselves around during the season and started playing much better defense. But the championship game was something to behold. So I'm following along because I had to MC a fundraiser on Saturday night. And so I'm following along as I'm MCing this gig. I had them, they sent me a PowerPoint of the questions I had to ask at this trivia night. Well, conveniently I had the PowerPoint on my phone, so I had an excuse to be on my phone and I'm flipping back and forth between the questions and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I see that. After 1, Penn leads at 24-21. The two teams combined to hit 9 three-pointers in the first quarter. Yeah. And it was on 14 three-pointers in the first half between the two teams. It boils down to a 16 Yes, 69-69 game late. Noah Applegate, Penn's all-time leading scorer, gets a bucket and a bump underneath, hits the free throw, he makes it 72-69. The aforementioned Alex Stoffer comes down, hits a topside three with 14 seconds left. We're tied at 72. Penn has the ball. Applegate has already scored, I think, 30 points in the game. Everybody's looking for him to get the ball. And apparently that's what the play design was to be. And Drew Lutz is driving down the left side of the lane and sees Applegate's covered and says, what the heck, I'll just take it the distance lays it in with the left hand, five seconds left. Northridge had a shot at the end. There was a little bit of question as to whether the shooter was fouled or not. No call was made, shot was missed, and Penn hangs on for its first regional title since 2006 as they win it 74-72. So now the Kingsmen face Carmel in the semi-state at Lafayette on Saturday.
2: Amazing watching the same team play twice in the morning all defense what was it 49 42 yes ludwig had like 10 points in the first half of the second of the game second not game, of the first not game. of the first one he yeah. came out of the gate just on fire just interesting watching you know the adjustments made during the day maybe a little bit of a pep talk uh,
1: well, you know some rest i don't know i think some of its matchups too i think some of its matchups and some of its style play chesterton like a lot of teams from the region, plays very physically. Yes, they did. Um, there weren't the interesting thing about the morning game is I thought the the officials let a lot of contact go in the first half of the morning game. Mm-hmm. That kind of set a tone. It kind of came back to bite a little bit in the second half of the game because the game got called a little more closely mm-hmm. and some more fouls were called, and ultimately. One of the decisive plays of that morning game was a technical foul called on Chesterton. Lutz had come down to try and attempt a layup. He's fouled. Applegate is trailing the play, and he's watching the ball up top. He's going to go up for a rebound and maybe even a rebound slam. There's a player from Chesterton that winds up inadvertently undercutting Applegate because he stops when the whistle blows, as Applegate is up in the air. Yeah. Applegate lands on his back and kind of flips over him. Well, this player feels Applegate land on his back well after the whistle and then shoves him and says something while the
2: referee is standing right, right there. there.
1: And thus the technical was called. Yeah. Four shots. Yeah. Well, two on the Lutz foul and then two on the technical. Woo. Huge mistake. So anyway, that's 4A. 3A, Culver Academy, we expected them to not have much problem in their regional, and they didn't. They handled Hanover Central. They handled Hammond. So the defending state champion Eagles move on to the 3A semi-state where they will play the Marion Giants, who have played in more semi-states than any team in Indiana history. Uh, Marion, of course, Corey in the in the 70s and 80s, they had a coach down there named Bill Green, who basically talked the matchup zone that Digger Phelps would eventually learn and use to Digger. Okay. Um, and Bill Green had some dynasties. This is when the old Chrysler plant, I think it was, in Marion. Marion was an automotive capital in Indiana. And people would come in, they would get jobs at the Chrysler plant, and their kids would wind up at Marion High School.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they had guys like Lyndon Jones and Jay Edwards and just a bevy of talent come through there, James Blackman. And so it's Marion and Culver Academy. They'll play the night game over at Northside Gym, probably tip off about 7 o'clock. We'll have it for you on TV 46, 10 o'clock Saturday night. The surprise, at least for me, over the weekend, but there's a reason behind it, was Westview. Westview was viewed by many to be the potential state champ in Class 2A. They get knocked off by Andrean. I don't want to take anything away from the 59ers of Andrean. They played very well, and they beat Westview, I think, by 10. Turns out, Friday night at the team dinner, Westview has some baked ziti and... More than half the team is throwing up food poisoning. So Westview only really had five players available for the morning game that they won handily over Bluffton. Charlie Yoder went off. He had 38 points. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys have spent a lot of energy. Any guys that they had available who were suffering from food poisoning who might have played certainly weren't at 100%. And Andrean winds up beating Westview and ending uh, the great careers of guys like Elijah Hales and Nick Rensberger. So Andrean moves on in Class 2A. They will play Frankton down in Lafayette. And then in 1A, Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian, far and away the power of the North right now. Now, they'll have an interesting semi-state with Lafayette Central Catholic, but I still think they'll win. They had no problem down in that Triton Regional handling, Gary 21st Century and Argus. Penn and Carmel in Lafayette, Jefferson, this Saturday night. Saturday afternoon for that game. That's, I believe, about a 3.30 start. And then Culver Academy will play Marion at Northside Gym at 7. And that's all we have left in the state of Indiana, in our area. As for Michigan, we still have uh, Cassopolis, They'll have their quarterfinal matchup coming up. I believe that's tomorrow night against Powamo. And then girls' regional semifinals are tonight up in Michigan. So good luck to Edwardsburg, Michigan Lutheran, Benton Harbor, and Brandywine as they try to carry on the banner of Michigan. Edwardsburg, by the way, we haven't talked about them very much this year, but I believe they're still undefeated. Caitlin Zericki is their star. And last week, she became the all-time leading scorer for either boys or girls in Edwardsburg basketball. And that leads me to circle back to Penn one more time. Congratulations to Noah Applegate. He has now joined the 1,700-point club, which in St. Joe County puts him sixth on the all-time list. He's 15 points behind former Washington Panther Derek Graham. Uh, If he gets those points... On Saturday in their game against Carmel, he would be number five on the all-time St. Joe County list.
2: Before we jump into college basketball, let's pause for a moment and hear from our sponsor, Derek at Big and Tall Outlet in Elkhart.
0: Howdy, everyone. This is Derek from Big and Tall Outlet in Elkhart. The Major League Baseball season is just around the corner, and we are excited for it to start. As we all prepare for the 2019 season, it's important to have our wardrobes ready. We at Big and Tall Outlet carry long and short-sleeve MLB t-shirts, hoodies, and even some jackets in sizes large, tall, up to 6X. Most of the teams that we regularly carry are located in the Midwest, like the Chicago Cubs and White Sox, St. Louis Cardinals, Detroit Tigers, Milwaukee Brewers, Cleveland Indians, Cincinnati Reds, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. But every now and then you'll be able to find an item for the Angels or the Yankees or any team in between. And the best part of it all is we sell them all for half of the manufacturer's suggested retail price. We are always posting great items to Facebook, Twitter, and to BigintalOutlet.com. so check us out there. Please visit us at 1333 South Napanee Street in Elkhart at bigintaloutlet.com, or you can always give us a call at 574-293-0111 and tell us that you heard it on the Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Instagram at SportsYak with two K's. Chicago. Like an exclamation point on the win. too. that was awesome. Awesome job. Breakthrough right every game. Defense was
2: Outstanding standing. Rebound, Mostly
0: on the wings. Terrific. Out, <laughs> We're going to do better. We have got six games left. Oh, yeah. oh, together. together. Together.
2: Notre Dame women's basketball on a Sunday afternoon. I thought they looked fantastic. It took Louisville to task.
1: And they handled things with their typical offensive juggernaut. I mean, they have just been terrific this year. And no surprise that Muffet McGraw's team is... Moving on.
2: They, they're touted, I hear the word Chicago a right.
1: lot yesterday,
2: and I found that fascinating because I, they're just one of those teams It's like we're concentrating on the next game, but it just feels like the South Bend uh,
1: first round's going to be pretty easy. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's designed to be that way. But let, let's back up to the Chicago reference. The reason you kept hearing about Chicago is the Sweet 16 or the – the regional final level Mm -hmm. this year, the talk going into the ACC tournament for some reason, and I still can't figure this out, a lot of people had Louisville ahead of Notre Dame in the seeding. Notre Dame was still going to be a number one seed, but they were going to be shipped out to Portland and Louisville was going to get to stay in the Midwest and play in Chicago. The only reason that that would make sense is if you thought Louisville was better than Notre Dame. And Notre Dame beat them in the regular season. And I was at the game. They they were in control of the game the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody thought Louisville had improved so much that they were better than Notre Dame.
2: Did one of the players get the player of the year or whatever? player Yeah, the they have got
1: Asia Durr, who was the player of the year, and mm-hmm. that, that's fine.
2: I was you, with you with that game.
1: Yes, you were. Yeah, We sat together and yeah. watched Notre Dame Handle Louisville. Yeah, there was nothing
2: out of the ordinary that Louisville did that's like, ooh, they're good.
1: Yeah, or or where you would say, Well, if they played on a neutral court, this would be a different story. No. So Notre Dame goes out on a neutral court, beats them by twenty, and now Louisville might not even be a number one seed. They might drop to number two. Now, in fairness to the Cardinals, they have a couple of injuries, and that's impacting their team. Yes. There's no question about that. But when you look at this Notre Dame team, and I think Bob has referenced this and I think it's been referenced on TV as well. First of all, the starting five with their career accomplishments may be the most accomplished starting five in basketball history. They're getting close to 9,000 career points now. All five have scored at least 1,000 points in their career. Two of them have scored... 2,000 points in their careers. The other thing that stands out is yesterday Jessica Shepard, who had 30 points and 13 rebounds, also became the fourth player on this team to pass 100 assists for the season. I mean, you look at a lot of basketball teams, Corey, they're lucky to have one player over 100 assists for a season. Notre Dame has four. That's how well they share the ball and you can see it, when they're in the transition game, they share the ball so beautifully, and it has made all the difference. Remember, earlier in the year, we were talking about this team's not making the extra pass. This team's not doing the things that Notre Dame teams have done in the past. Well, they clearly saw that themselves and have made the adjustment, and they have been sharing the ball in an outstanding manner for the last month.
2: Big 10 tournament heads our way this weekend over at the United Center in Chicago. By the way, will the women play?
1: I believe the women's tournament is at the new Wind Trust Arena in downtown Chicago, the one near McCormick Place. Oh, wow. Yes. Who plays there? Uh, @Depaul. Okay. Depaul plays, it's home games there. Okay. So, the Big 10 tournament starts this Wednesday. Indiana will be the 9 seed, the Hoosiers riding a four-game win streak. What a difference Rob Finney has made in this team. What a difference Deontay Green has made in this team now. And Indiana, much like we just talked about with the Notre Dame women, sharing the basketball, moving the basketball a lot more, it has made all the difference in their offense. Uh, the Hoosiers playing like they like each other. Hmm, there's an interesting concept. <laughs> and they've won four in a row. So they're the nine seed. They play eight-seeded Ohio State on Thursday at 1230, a game you can hear on 103.1 FM. Should they win that, then the Hoosiers would get another crack at Michigan State. And interestingly enough, there's only one team in the Big Ten all season that has a season sweep against Michigan State, and it's the Indiana Hoosiers. Could they beat Tom Izzo's team three times in the same season? They might have to do that in order to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, Coach Kramer asked me the other day on Twitter, What I thought Indiana had to do in the Big Ten tournament to make sure they got the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. I think two wins gets them in for certain. One keeps them on the bubble, and you have to watch what happens in some of these other conference tournaments. Then there's Purdue. The Boilermakers sitting at the number 2 seed will play on Friday night in the quarterfinals at 7 p.m. on 103.1 FM they'll take on the winner of the Penn State-Minnesota game. Now, you would think on the surface that that would be easy, but remember, the Golden Gophers just beat Purdue up at Williams Arena last week. Granted, that was one of Purdue's worst games of the year, but still, the Gophers would have confidence coming in. And Penn State has been a team that, over the years, has given Purdue all kinds of trouble. Now, normally, that's in State College. How it'll be at a neutral floor remains to be seen, but neither one of those matchups is necessarily one that Matt Painter's squad is relishing. I'm not saying that Purdue's going to lose that game, but I'm just saying it might not be as easy as you would expect a 2 versus seven ten matchup to be.
2: That Wind Trust Arena is just east of uh, Michigan Avenue, across the street from the north building okay. of McCormick. Uh, I'm a big fan of Spot Hero, that app. Are you familiar with that? Uh, You've told me about it before. They do a good job of areas all over downtown Chicago, all over Chicago, and they give you a a healthy discount. And you can reserve your spot. That might be the way to go for that day, somewhere on uh, Michigan Avenue by one of the restaurants or whatever. And then you walk a couple blocks. It'll be warm by then, the 30th. Could be. (laughs) Or it could be snowing. Sorry, we already talked about Chicago.
1: Exactly. Anyway, the Wintrust Arena, remember, is where they're going to play the Sweet 16. So circling back to women's basketball, that first round at Purcell Pavilion will be not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. Remember, the women's bracket usually comes out on the Monday after the men's. So Monday, uh, March 18th, we'll get those pairings. And I think that tournament is uh, somewhere between the 22nd and the 25th. The 22nd being a Friday the 25th being a Monday. It's either going to be a Friday, Sunday, or a Saturday, Monday affair at Purcell Pavilion.
2: You want to talk NBA at all?
1: Oh, we can. There's not much to talk about. Pistons beat the Bulls yesterday, 131-109. The the question now for the Bulls is, apparently Zach Levine has an injury, and do you just sit him for the rest of the year because the Bulls aren't going anywhere? And quite frankly, they're probably better off losing games than they are winning them. Uh, The Pacers... Wore their Hickory jerseys yesterday against the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, it looked like Hickory versus South Bend Central, except uh, in this one, South Bend Central wins going away because they've got a seven footer named Joel Embiid do the Philadelphia 76ers. And they handled the Pacers. And the Pacers are finding life in the NBA when you play the better teams in the Eastern Conference, especially when you play them on the road is very, very difficult. And unfortunately for Indiana with the injury to Victor Oladipo, this is what they're going to be looking at in the playoffs. They could be a first-round exeter to the Eastern Conference playoffs where earlier in the year when Oladipo was healthy and the Pacers really had it going on, you thought maybe this is a team that could get to the Eastern Conference Finals.
2: Boy, what a bummer for an organization that it's
1: better to lose
2: the rest of the season
1: but unfortunately, Ugh. Corey, this is the this is the case a lot of teams in the NBA find themselves in, and quite frankly, a lot of fans in the NBA now find themselves, do I root for my team to win or to lose? If you're a fan of Memphis or Phoenix or Chicago or even the Pistons right now, mm-hmm. what what benefit is there of your team winning? You're not making the playoffs. <laughs> I want to touch on one more thing in high school sports, and that is this athletic director situation in the South Bend schools. We are now at one week since the announcement was made last Monday afternoon that the South Bend Community School Corporation is firing its athletic director at the corporation level and restructuring the four high school athletic directors to be under a title of Dean of Students and Athletics where you would assume that that person, just because of its title, would spend part of its day handling student affairs and part of the day handling athletic affairs. And I spoke to this matter last week on the program about how the fact that a lot of athletic directors frequently will put in 10, 12, 14-hour days handling things within athletics whether they be rainouts and the rescheduling of officials during the spring or insurance questions, eligibility questions, dealing Finding with parents. Finding a fan
2: bus to head over an hour away to watch your team play.
1: Things like that, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, the Penn Athletic Department has two assistant athletic directors. The Alkhart schools each have one assistant athletic director. South Bend has been operating on a shoestring with no assistant athletic directors, at least officially within the building, although I know some of them have some unofficial ones. That said, we're a week removed from that announcement. There's been articles in the South Bend Tribune. Tom Noy has done a good job parsing out why this is, in his estimation, and the estimation of most people that I've heard from, a bad decision. The Tribune had an editorial talking about why this is a bad decision. Yet to hear one person from the South Bend School Administration answer any reporter's questions about this. And I think the public, the taxpayers of the city of South Bend who fund these schools deserve to know what the rationale and the logic is behind this decision and for nobody to step up just shows a lot of gutlessness to me on the part of the administration. Whether it's the school board, whether it's superintendent spells, whether it's the incoming superintendent Cummings, somebody should be stepping up and explaining this move to the people.
2: I feel sorry for the incoming uh,
1: guy, gal. I don't even know if it's a guy. Todd or... Cummings, it's a guy. Yeah. I why Why feel sorry for him? Because we don't know his side. All the more reason why somebody should be stepping up and explaining this, whether it's Superintendent Spells, who some people say is the one behind this decision, Mm -hmm. or whether it's the new superintendent. Somebody should be standing up and explaining this. They don't have a school board meeting tonight, so the next one would be next Monday, and perhaps there will be some hue and cry at that affair.
0: Good morning again guys. This is Derek from Big and Tall Outlet. I wanted to make you aware that we are your home for exclusive South Bend Cubs big men's apparel. We have South Bend Cubs t-shirts, short sleeve and long sleeve starting at about a 3x all the way up to an 8x in assorted sizes. And then that also includes two X tall and three X tall. These range in prices from $15 to $20, but these shirts are exclusive to our store only. These aren't available at the South Bend Cubs team store, but through a partnership with them, um, the wonderful folks at the South Bend Cubs team store, uh, we're able to offer you guys big and tall South Bend Cubs team apparel and exclusively available here. Some of these are available on our website, bigandtalloutlet.com, but if you needed to place a phone order, you can always give us a call at 574-293-0111. Just wanted to let you guys know that we do have Southman Cubs team apparel available in big men's sizes exclusively at Big and Tall Outlet in Elkhart. Thanks, guys. You have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you next time.
2: Until next time, have a great week. We'll talk on Wednesday, episode 73.
1: And I'll look forward to
0: it. Ooga-looga. That's our show for today. Sports Yak is brought to you by Big and Tall Outlet. Because big guys gotta look good, too. Sports Yak is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. This is Jimmy Shorts. Until next time, sports fans. That's good.